Good afternoon, everyone. Once again, we find ourselves facing a cold Wednesday. Uh, something about Wednesdays being cold here lately. I think right now, if if nothing changes, they have us scheduled for cold again next Wednesday, and a chance for snow is is what I've been seeing, um, with some highs in the 60s between now and then. So I guess Wednesday is just our day for being cold. Um, we're going to look at our summary today is what we took at took a look at last Wednesday night in our midweek class, and that was 1 Corinthians chapter 8. It's 13 verses long, um, so it's a short chapter. It's an important one. It's one that might sound a little bit, um, just a little bit out of our element, a little foreign to us, uh, but that doesn't mean that there isn't something significant we can learn from it. I'm going to have you read that here in just a second, but before you do, um, this this subject of meat sacrifice to idols often gets, uh, I guess we could say, um, applied in in various ways to our current culture. Uh, I, I've never been to Walmart and seen a case of meat specifically that has been sacrificed to idols. This isn't something in our culture that we really face. Um, but there are areas of, of freedom that we have in Christ still that can be an issue with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're not really going to dive into that too much today. We will jump back into this subject of meat sacrificed to idols in the next couple of chapters. So I think when we jump into it next time, we'll, we'll get a little more practical about some of the areas that this can apply to our lives specifically. Um, today, we're just going to deal kind of generally um, the, pro, the, the place of love, the very elevated high place of love in our uh, our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, all that being said, I'm going to give you a little bit of time to read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Again, it's just 13 verses. So if you want to press pause and do that, we'll be back together here in just a second. Okay, hope you've had the time to read this. Um, this this subject of meat sacrifice to idols, um, I want you to know this is not something that is just uh, only applies to the situation in Corinth. Um, this was a this was a pretty big subject amongst the the Gentile Christians um, throughout the the Judea, throughout uh, the Mid East, is what we would call now as the church continues to grow there. Um, so so that's something to that we should probably. Keep in mind that this really, really was a big deal. And this is a, in the questions part of, of this letter of 1 Corinthians, or we should probably say more, better stated, the answers part. Um, Paul had been sent a variety of questions, um, it, is, it appears so, by the church. And here he's answering those questions. And this one is the question of meat sacrificed to idols. Um Matter of fact, Jews to that day, even to this day, had their own butchering system, um, kosher meat markets, if you will. And these new, these young Gentile Christians were probably wondering if they needed to do something similar in order to avoid meat sacrifice to idols. This was a point of debate. It seemed like within the church there. So as we take a look at this, uh, right off the bat in the first oh, uh, five or six verses or so, Paul makes it really, really clear that while knowledge is important, um, knowledge is only good when it is paired with love. If, if you take knowledge and you remove love from the equation, it, it makes one arrogant. It pu Literally, it puffs one up, inflates someone's ego and their own self-importance. But when you pair 
that knowledge with love, um, you end up with someone who is knowledgeable, but who also, with that knowledge, builds up others. See, love builds up while knowledge alone puffs up. So he talks about this for for a few for a few verses, and and then we get into to chapter or, or verse seven, and he makes it pretty clear here that not everybody has. Um, this this more mature knowledge about specifically about meat sacrificed to idols. And those who had this knowledge need to be aware of this. Um, Paul calls them weak. Um, and he's not using that in, in, a, in a, a derogatory type of way. He's just making a statement here as they're young in their faith. They have not matured in this way yet. So he moves on and he says, he continues to make the point that food is an indifferent thing. It doesn't make us better. It doesn't make us worse. As a matter of fact, Jesus speaks about this um, in a little bit different context in Matthew 15 when his apostles are accused by the Pharisees of eating without washing their hands first and therefore they were unclean because of this practice. And Jesus said, look, it is not what goes into your body. What the food that you eat does not make you clean or unclean. You eat it and it is eliminated. It Literally, it means it is cast into the latrine. So it is gone. Um, he says it's what comes out of a man, um, out of their mouth, not out of... <laughs> Uh, just kind of graphic, not out of their other end, but out of their mouth that makes them clean or unclean more specifically because we can definitely do some destructive things with the words that we say. So, um, so Paul stands on that fact as well. He says food is indifferent. It's, it's, we're none the better for eating it. We're none the worse for eating it. But he makes it clear, verses 8 and 9, be careful with your freedom. Do not allow your freedom to become a stumbling block to others. Jesus also speaks about that in Luke 17, saying, Woe to those who cause one of my little ones to stumble. So, um, now, something we need to keep in mind that will help us understand why this was a big deal. Uh, there were temples, there were places, there we would call some of them more or less just restaurants um, where the people in Corinth would eat. And some of those establishments were known um, to have to serve meat sacrificed to idols. Some of these temples were known to do the same. Now, don't misunderstand. Nowhere, look at this in context. Paul is telling the people of Corinth to flee, to flee immorality. So we're not talking about going and eating meat sacrificed to idols in a situation that there is going to be other types of of worship of false deity going on because a lot of the worship that took place in Corinth, especially this is the center for worship for Aphrodite, and many of the times we've talked about this in the past, that that having sex with a temple prostitute would be a way in which uh, the goddess or gods would be worshipped. And, and Paul is not saying that that is, is any place where any believer should be. So, But he's just talking here about me eating this food. And there would be times where uh, I'm sure, I mean, this, is, this has been shown through archaeological record, that there were invitation cards that would be sent to people. And I'm sure occasionally a brother or sister in Christ would get this from someone else saying, meet me at a temple at a particular date at a particular time and we'll share a meal together. Paul is saying you have, as a believer in Christ, you have the freedom to do that. But if you doing this causes one of your brothers or sisters in Christ to stumble who have not yet reached your level of maturity, then 
you are going to be a part of this person failing and falling on their face. It says through through this, you in verses verses eleven and twelve, he says, do not ruin. He says, verse eleven, for through your knowledge he who is weak is ruined, the brother for whose sake Christ died. And so by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. I mean this is a big deal. Paul is saying, do not make your freedom more important than this weaker sibling in Christ of yours, this sibling for whom Jesus died. And then he goes on to say in verse 12 that Jesus takes it personally when his people are hurt. And this ruined isn't talking about a salvation necessarily. This is just talking about somebody falling flat on their face because their conscience is which is weak but their conscience is violated when they see a stronger one doing this so then they go and do it and violate their conscience and let me ask you this question just to get practical for a second how useful to god are we when we feel ashamed um we're we're simply not we're we're simply not ashamed um shame um, is not a success recipe when it comes to working in Christ. So he died to rid us of our shame. And Jesus does take it personally when his people are hurt. Um, and then Paul also makes it really, really clear that he says in verse 13, If food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. Now, one thing to remember about Paul, he is more mature, spiritually speaking, than anybody he's writing to in Corinth. And he's saying, if I, being your elder in Christ, the more mature one of of this whole group, am willing to rid eating meat at all for my life, if it's going to be a problem for my brothers and sisters, you should be willing to do the same for your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. So, now he's going to go from this in chapter 8 into chapter 9, and what we're going to find is Paul's going to expand upon this um, this idea of freedom and how freedom is a great thing. It is a great thing, but we need to be wise in how we exercise our freedoms in Christ. And that's what we're going to jump into tonight. Today, Again, today is, I might not have told you, today is January 26th, and we're going to be meeting tonight at 7 o'clock. We'll have a meal at 6 o'clock before it, and at 7, classes for all ages will begin. Um, we'd absolutely love to have you if you haven't been able to join us yet. And tonight we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Not sure quite how far we're going to get um, but we're going to start it. So I would love to have you join us tonight. I uh, hope you have a, a good day and enjoy that cold weather out there.